This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. Come on, if you're glad to be in the house, clap your hands for Jesus. Man, I want to greet all of you who are watching us online today. It's going to be a great day in the house of the Lord. And I'm fired up because we had an awesome service at 9, and I think it's going to be even better for this 11 a.m. And so, man, thank you, thank you. I'm so thrilled just to be able to come and share God's word with you today. And, man, I just want to always give honor to our leaders, pastors, Nate and Jody Roos. Come on, can you just give our leaders a hand, our staff? Man, Just we had a super church, man. So super, super grateful. Today I have the privilege of closing out this Mark series. As you know, we've been in it all summer, and uh, we're wrapping it up today. But you don't want to miss next week, because we're going into a great sermon series called Moving Forward, and it's going to be a great boost in your faith of how to capture the mountains that God has for us. And so, man, I'm super, super excited for next week as well. But if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me, iPhone, Android, iPad, and uh, we're going to jump right into Mark chapter 16. And for the sake of the reading, we've been on a reading plan. We uh, This week, it would have been 14, 15, and 16. And so uh, I want to just read a little bit of Mark, and then we're going to pray and jump right in. So Mark chapter 16, verse 14 through 20. And then we're going to also read Acts chapter 1 and 8. And so the Bible says this. After he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. Come on, somebody say, that's weird right there. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, being his disciples, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached Everywhere, Come on, somebody say everywhere. Everywhere. While the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And then over in Acts 1 and 8, just really quickly, verse 8, it reads this. But you shall receive what? Power. Come on, say it like you believe it. But you shall receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be, be, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Friends, today I want to talk to you from this simple thought, be, be, very simple word, be, be. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us today. Transform our hearts. Help us to become who you're calling us to be. It's in Jesus' name that we ask and pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Friends, you know, it wasn't long ago when I was just a little kid, and uh, I was asked the question, 
Who do you want to be when you grow up? And that was an interesting question because if you notice, it wasn't about the what I wanted to be, rather it was who I wanted to become. And when we think about this question, it's, it, it, it's really a pivotal question for all of us to ask because you know, I remembered as I kind of matured, in the beginning I didn't understand this question so much, but as I grew up I, and I matured in my thinking, I began to understand what they were asking me was this. At the very nature, at the very core of my existence of who I was going to be, what were some of the ethical characteristics of my life that I would possess? What were some of the values in my life that I would believe in and live out in order to be who I was going to be? And I was challenged because, you know, even now we can think about that question within two lenses. One lens could be the world viewpoint, but then you have another lens which would be a bibliocentric or God-centered viewpoint. And so as I think about this question, I basically have to answer myself, who am I going to be? Or who am, who am I going to be in God? Who, who does God want me to be? And friends, the interesting part about this is that every day we're becoming who we want to be or we're becoming who God wants us to be. And as we're transformed by either the world or the word, as we're transformed by either the world or the word, it's a result of our thinking. Let me explain just for a moment. Our thoughts form our beliefs. Our thoughts form our beliefs and who we become. And this dictates our behavior. In essence, how we live. It's why it's so important that Paul tells this church in Rome in Romans 12, 1 through 2, that don't be conformed to the pattern of the world in your thinking, but instead, on the other hand, be renewed in your thinking, being able to know what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And he was letting them know that how they thought would determine how they would behave. And I want to say it to you this way, how you behave is because of what you believe, but what you believe will determine who you become. And friends, I want to help you to understand that the disciples were also on the same journey as we look in Mark chapter 16 today because they were faced with this pivotal moment in their lives. And that was this. Who were they going to be? Who were they going to be? And the answer was solely predicated on what they believed about Jesus' resurrection and the gospel message. You see, Jesus was trying to help them understand something that was so pivotal, but not only for them during that time, also for you and me. He was helping them to understand how they behaved is based on what they believed, and what they believed would determine who they would become. And we see in the Passion Week, Mark chapter 14, 15, 16, this Passion Week leading up into the events of basically Jesus' arrest his trial, his crucifixion, and now his resurrection. And he's come back from the dead. And in this chapter we're reading today, it talks about two personal appearances that Jesus comes and shows up to two individuals in the beginning of the story. It's first the Mary Magdalene, 
It's a woman who was possessed of seven demons, and Jesus freed her, and she believed him and began to follow him, and so she became this close associate and the follower of Jesus. And as you read throughout the accounts of the gospel, you see that Mary Magdalene was the first, he appeared, she was the first to see Jesus. But then there was these two other individuals, they were walking on this road called Emmaus, and it says that Jesus appeared to them in this different form, yet he was still visible as a human, and after spending a little bit of time with them, they recognize it's him. This is the man that was crucified just three days earlier. That's him. That's Jesus the Messiah. And so these instances with Mary Magdalene and the two individuals, they go back and they tell the disciples two times, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. And it says in Scripture that they did not believe them. And so we read here in Mark 16, verse 14, afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves. So after he had showed himself to the two, which they didn't believe, he now comes to them himself. And how many of you know, if you didn't believe Jesus the first two times and he shows up, it's not going to be a good conversation, right? It's, 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 it's going to be a real conversation. And it says that he appeared to them, to the 11 themselves, and as they were reclining at the table, reclining at the table. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus has come back from the dead. It's three days later, and just earlier during the day, these two instances happened. They come back. They report to the disciples. They still don't believe him, and now they're sitting at a table reclining. And Jesus is so upset, but I want you to think about the posture that they had, Right? And I don't mean just their position of how they were sitting or what they were doing in the moment. I'm talking about the attitude or mindset that they had. You see, I want to help you understand something. There was only particularly one other time in Scripture when the disciples were actually reclining at a table. That was literally just several days before during the Passion Week at something called the Passover meal. And so... The reclining had a, a, a real significance in culture, and those who reclined were only those who were served. The people who would recline at a table were the only people that, that was there was those being served. So other men and women and children and servants, they could not recline at the table because it was thought of as a place of somebody that one could afford it, that had prestige, and also saw themselves as greater. And so we see here in this moment that they're reclining at the table and Jesus comes in the room like, what is going on? And we see something in Luke 22, verse 27, as we look at the significance of this recline. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's at the Passover meal and they're finishing up and this is what he says. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? So remember, they're at the table in the, in the Passover here in Luke, and he's asking them a question to, to, to basically spark their thinking. And he needs them to know. He says, who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? And then he says, is it not he who sits at the table? So what he's helping them to understand is this. In that culture at that time, those who reclined and sat at the table took the posture of someone being greater. They were a little idle. They thought, themselves, they thought of themselves as more than what they were. And Jesus is changing their paradigm. Listen to what he says. Yet, I am among you as the one who serves. 
So what did he do in this moment in Luke? Basically, what he's, what he's showing them is those who in our culture are known to sit at the table see themselves as greater. But I'm telling you, you're not the greatest. The ones who is the greatest are the ones who serve. And so he says, I came to serve, not to be served. And even though he was the one who deserved to be at the table, he was showing them a model of serving. He was showing them a posture of living on mission. And so, friends, it it behooves me to think about our modern-day church because I think sometimes our posture as Christians can be just like that of the disciples. You see, some of us may have this thought of, man, my life is an example itself. I don't need to share about Jesus. I can show the love of Jesus. Some of us may have this thought of, well, you know, will evangelism and sharing the gospel, that's not really my thing. You know, living on that mission thing that Jesus talked about, uh, that's not my spiritual gift. Uh, Sometimes we even have this fear of, man, I just don't want to impose my faith on other people. I I, I don't want to be uncomfortable. Leave my comfort alone. I'll go and have my normalcy, and and I don't want to impose. I'll show the love of Jesus. I don't have to share it. That's not really my thing, my spiritual gift. And sometimes this is our posture, friends, but we see that Jesus, he actually had to correct the, the posture of the disciples in the moment. And let me ask you this question. Is your posture disturbing Jesus? Is your posture disturbing Jesus, man? You see, he goes on from this noticing that they were reclining, and he issues this rebuke. And this rebuke is really a correction. Sometimes we we feel like, well, man, I was rebuked, and it's a bad thing. No, 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 no. What Jesus was saying is, man, I have to correct your thinking. Pastor Darren talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Let me say something to you. Let me ask you something so that your thinking can change, so that in order that your behavior may change. And he had to rebuke them, and this verb that he uses is very emphatic. I mean, he's never used a verb like this in all of the Gospels. This is the only time he used it. And he rebukes them for a reason. And the reason why is because they refused to believe of the testimony of eyewitnesses of his resurrection earlier that day. Remember, he sent two instances One, Mary Magdalene, and then two other individuals, and they still didn't believe, so Jesus has to rebuke them. And there was a lesson learned here, friends. There was a lesson learned for the disciples. Check this out. This was the lesson. Hearing of Jesus' resurrection before they actually saw him, they learned what it would be like to believe the testimony of eyewitnesses. What, What am I saying? What am I saying? They now, after seeing Jesus, would be in the shoes of people that they would be telling the gospel to. And so he had to help them understand how hard is it going to be for people that haven't seen me, and now that you've seen me, you're going to be telling them about me who have never seen me. How hard is that going to be for you? And he was giving them this lesson to understand that, man, what I'm showing you guys, it's so imperative. So you have this so what question. Okay, Jesus rebukes me. He helps me to understand what's happening, what's going on. So what, Jesus? What does that mean for you and me? What does that mean for the disciples back then? This is what it meant. It was so imperative for them to believe. For them to believe, put their faith, their confidence in Jesus' resurrection. 
because he was getting ready to send them on mission. And if they did not believe in who he was and what he did and then what he wanted to do in their life, through their life, for the lives of other people, then they wouldn't behave because they didn't necessarily believe it. And friends, I want to help us understand this today. It was so imperative, not only for them, but also for us. Because what they believed would determine how they behaved and who they would be. What they believed determined how they would behave and who they would be. It's exactly why he calls them in Acts 1 and 8 after spending 40 days with him, them after his resurrection. Jesus comes back from the dead and he spends 40 days talking about the gospel, talking about the kingdom, talking about the principles of being a witness. And right before he's getting ready to go in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and 8, he kind of gives them his last send-off, this hurrah. And it says this, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And... You will what? Be my witnesses. Friends, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to the church, not so that we can be uber spiritual or have all the glory of our spiritual gifts because they don't belong to us anyway. They belong to the Holy Spirit. But he sent the Holy Spirit so that we can be witnesses. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower us in our own deficiencies, in our own flaws, in our own weaknesses. He sent the Holy Spirit so that he may work through us and in us. And so he says, as a result of the Holy Spirit coming on you, you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. And so I, I want us to see this today because when Jesus caused them to be witnesses, he was dealing with the very nature of who they would be. He was dealing with the very essence and the core of their being. Would they believe in the gospel and its power to transform like it had done them and behave to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ in order to be followers of him. And so I want to help you to understand witness. To be a witness is to speak from personal knowledge of facts and their significance. What, what was Jesus saying in Acts 1 and 8? This is what he was saying. I want you to tell people simply what you know about me. I want you to tell people what you know about me. The focus in witness is speaking from personal experience. If you have been impacted by Jesus and you have made him not only Savior but Lord of your life, then therefore we who have done that all qualify as witnesses. Why? Because there has been a personal experience with you experiencing the resurrected power of Jesus and believing in his forgiveness of sin to bring you into a relationship with the almighty God. And more than likely, he shaped and changed you to behave and believe like he's called us to. And so that qualifies us as witnesses, sharing your personal story of how Jesus has changed you. And so, just like the disciples had to deal with this paradigm in their thinking, friends, you and I have to deal with it as well. What are the implications for you and me? What do we do with this? I want to ask you a question to allow you to think about it. Has your belief in the gospel 
transformed your behavior to tell others? Has your belief in who Jesus is, his gospel, the good news about his life, death, burial, and resurrection, his opportunity that he gives to all humanity to have a relationship with him and be connected to the Father and have purpose and eternal life and abundant life, has your belief in this gospel transformed you to the core of your being that now you behave in such a way that you're living on mission to tell other people. Friends, I want to help you understand something today. Your life as a Christian is always connected with the mission of God. When you, are, you didn't get hired in the place you got hired to work, just because it was a good job, you had a degree in the credentials. You got hired because God strategically placed you there. When you put in an application for school, you didn't get into that school as a follower of Jesus just because you would have a good academia resume when you're done. You got put in that school so that God placed you there as a mission field. And so I want us to begin to think how he's calling us to think because he's asking us as a body to be witnesses for him. And so, friends, as followers of Jesus, today you and I aren't necessarily eyewitnesses. We haven't seen Jesus with our eyes. You know, if you have, let me know. I might want to join you. <laughs> but you and I haven't been eyewitnesses of Jesus, but I would say this. We are I, the latter I, witnesses. Anybody been changed by Jesus today? Anybody been changed by his good news? Anybody been changed by believing in him? Absolutely. Each and every one of you that have raised your hand, whether you raised it or not, if you know that you've been changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, friends, you are an eyewitness. That means you witnessed him change your life. And that's good enough evidence, that's good enough factual evidence for you to know that this thing is real. It's not just myth. It's not just theory. It's real. Jesus is real. He's alive and he's changing lives today. He's changing lives today. And so the disciples, they are perplexed. They're like, oh, man. Okay, Jesus, get the rebuke. I got it. Am I rebuking you today? No. <laughs> but I do want you to think about how your life is, how you're living as a follower of Jesus. Because it's all based on our belief in him. He's trying to change the very nature of who we are so that we can be his witnesses. And friends, in a moment, I'm going to give all of us an opportunity to respond at these altars. We're going to respond and we're going to ask and we're going to commit and ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with his power so that he can make us bold to be witnesses in wherever he sends us and wherever he takes us. We're going to invite him to fill us and empower us so that we can become who he's called us to become. And Jesus goes on to say, though, in this scripture, he just doesn't leave him with the rebuke. That's what I love about Jesus. He's like, hey, you guys got something to do. Get up off your behind. Let me tell you. Go, he tells him, he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. That's the good news about Jesus. He says, you got to go into the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, all the inhabitant land, wherever you can go, man, I'm going to send you through the power of the Holy Spirit and wherever you can go, go and spread the good news about who I am, what I've done, what I want to do in the lives of people. And so I want to ask you the question today. Just like he told them to go into all the world. Where is your all? Where is your all? 
Where's your all? I, I want to show you something. I want to show you something uh, because I, I, it's so imperative for us to see sometimes. You see, friends, your all is your neighborhood. Your all is your family members who are unsaved. Your all is your coworkers and your colleagues. Your all is your students. Your all are your all is friends who are not saved. Your all is strangers who you might encounter that the Holy Spirit brings you into a relationship. This is your all. I want you to see something. Look at these maps that I'm going to show you on the screen. This is Spring Lake Park. These are surrounding neighborhoods that surround our campus here at Spring Lake Park. Thousands of people, thousands of people. I mean, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. We're going to look at Elk River. Elk River as well. Thousands of people, thousands of people. Let's look at Maple Grove. This is where Emmanuel currently resides in our campuses right now. Maple Grove, thousands of people. And I want, I want you to just hear this conservative statistic. Out of all those hundreds of thousands of people within a 15 to 20 mile radius, just maybe even 15 to 20 mile radius here from this campus to our other campuses, hundreds of thousands of people, 50% of them conservatively don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And many of you live and work amongst those communities, friends, and I'm showing you this because I want you to see your all. I want you to see what Jesus is inviting you into to be a witness. He's placed you there. He's blessed you and he's with you through the power of the Holy Spirit to be what he's calling you to be. And he says in verse 16, whoever believes basically in this gospel and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Friends, Jesus is letting us know that as we share the gospel, it leads to either belief or unbelief. It's not up to you to save people. I hope that's a liberating point for all of you. It's up for you to share the message that has the ability to save people. It's not up to you because you can't save yourself. Neither can you save people. But there's a God in Jesus Christ that we know that has the ability to save and can save and will save as we share the message of Jesus. He will, friends. Romans 10, 14 says it like this. How then will they call on him, being Jesus, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching or speaking, sharing the message of Jesus? It's a progressive point here in this scripture. Basically, what he's saying is this. How can someone believe without someone sharing? No one can ever believe because they have to hear what you share. But based upon what we share, it's also based upon what we believe. And so that's why I'm asking you today, are you being what God's calling you to be? Or is he reshifting your paradigm to, to, to be able to do something in the nature, in the essence, in the core of who you are as a follower of Jesus to begin to live out this mission? And many of you are probably saying, man, Will, that was a lot of people on those maps, it, it was. You're exactly right. How, how can we reach those people? First answer is Holy Spirit's power. Second answer is him working through you. 
And so you might be thinking, man, how in the world is this going to happen? How, how can I be? I'm afraid. I don't know really how to share the gospel. I don't know scripture enough. All these postures, all these attitudes, all these thoughts, all these real fears. That's okay because you know what? Jesus gives us some great promise. This is what he basically tells us. I'll give you the message, which is the gospel. You go do the ministry, which is serving people, and I'll validate the message with miracles. Listen to what he says. Those who believe these signs will follow them. In their name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. This is what Jesus promises. He says, if you as the church would, would believe in my message of how I rose from the grave to defeat the power of sin, death, and hell, and that message is changing lives just like it changed your life, if you would go and share that message and invite people into the kingdom, I will validate that message with miracles. It's often that we want miracles, but we forget to preach the message that validates the miracles. If you want what the apostles got, preach what the apostles preached. Friends, I want to help you to understand something. that Jesus said it. Verse 20, he says it. And they went out and preached everywhere. 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 When you go to the bank this week, everywhere. When you go to Target this week, even if it's for a pickup in the grocery, in the grocery lot, in the lot for groceries, everywhere. When you go to work, everywhere. When you go walking in your community, everywhere. When you go to the hair salon, everywhere. When you go to the barbershop, everywhere. When you go to the lake this weekend or next weekend, everywhere. He says everywhere they went out and preached, and as a result, the Lord was working with them. What does that mean? Friends, that's good news because he tells us it's not really you who's working. You're just the one who's going, but you're not going without something. You're going with a message and you're going with the power from the Holy Spirit that will validate that message as you share the good news of Jesus Christ. Friends, I'm calling you today to really begin to assess, are you being who God is calling you to be as a witness? Because if you're not, that's okay. I pray praying that this moment will be so pivotal for your journey. This life is not about consumerism. This life is not about me, Christianity. This life is about giving our lives so that others who are dead may have life. Because that's what Jesus did himself, friends. That's what he did. And so I want to invite you, I want to invite you to think on something just a moment here. Think on this. What if every day you entered your all, your world, where God has placed you, what if you entered that place, that space, with the posture of being a witness? What if your thinking changed to that degree that everywhere you went, you were thinking about being a witness? God, who can I love today? Who can I share the message of Jesus with today? Who can I show the love of Jesus with today? Who can I share the gospel with today? Who can I pray and encourage today? Who can I invite to my church today? Who can I invite to my small group this week? Who can I have over for cookies or, or dinner this week in my neighborhood? Come on, God, everywhere I go, just like they did, I want to enter into that space and that place thinking about being a witness. So right now, I'm going to get ready to invite us to this commitment. And it may be some of you, it may be all of you, it may be none of you. But the reality of it is Jesus is asking us to be his witnesses. 
and he gives us the power to do it. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to refresh your commitment, or maybe you've never made that commitment. Whether you're watching online, you're sitting at home, you're in the car, wherever you are, I'm going to invite you to do that. But before I do that, there's a bigger commitment for some of you, and that commitment is to follow Jesus. If you've never made that commitment to say, man, Will, I'm living a life that I don't have any hope, I don't have any peace, I don't have any joy, I'm struggling, I keep trying to do it my way and it just keeps failing every time. It's more than likely that Jesus Christ is trying to invite you into his life and to receive the life that he gives. And I told you how he did that. He paid the price for your sins. He died a death you should have died. He, he, he rose to pay the price for your sins so that you would have eternal life. Jesus lived the life you couldn't have never lived, but he paid the price for you. He was the substitute for your life. So he's asking you to give him yours. And maybe you're here today and you've never done that or you've walked away. Maybe you're watching online if you've never done that. I want to give you an opportunity right now before we move on. If you're here, you say, Will, I need to give my life to Jesus for the first time or I need to recommit. I'm going to count to three and I just want you to lift your hand as a sign between you and God. If that's you, one, two, three. If that's you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're watching online, just put, that's me, that's me. And I want to pray for you if you've lifted your hand. Thank you. It's a simple prayer of repentance. It goes something like this. You can follow me as I lead you. It says, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for rising from the dead, and giving me the opportunity to put my trust in you. Today I turn away from the life of sin, and I embrace your new life. Thank you for saving me. It's in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Come on, man. Let's just give it up for those who made it to Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services live every week. Check out emmanuelcc.org for details. Please be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.